Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, Tonight uh, I'm sharing on gospel resilience. Uh, And why am I talking about that? Uh, Over the last few weeks, I've just started... um, as campus pastor here at Olga, I'm getting commissioned next week, so it's all like official, um, uh, which I'm really excited about that. That will be a very significant day to be formally commissioned, to make some commitments, to be prayed for into uh, this very important role. But over the last few weeks, I've, I've had a few uh, preaching spots and, and, and have thought about what do, I, what do I preach on? What do I really want to focus on and like lead this church into? And the first uh, sermon I did was, what is the gospel? So what do we have to get right as a community is what is the gospel? That we were dead, but God made us alive. That was from Ephesians 2. Then, uh, then in the morning, I didn't do this one in the evening, but in the morning, um, I thought, well, what's next? Like, how, how can we be a gospel-driven community? As a community, how can we be driven by what Jesus has done for us and his love for us and, and be a grace and gospel-driven community? And, t- and I t- we, we talked about from Ephesians 4, talked about uh, being having a humble attitude uh, being uh, united in the Spirit, united around uh, Jesus, being, having a diversity of gifts that we use to serve the church and speaking the truth in love. So we talked about that, having a, a, a gospel-driven community. And then I was thinking, um, what, 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 what's the next thing to preach on? What, are we, what, what should I share and what does this church need to hear um, as we as we take these steps into a new season of church, and I went to an event on uh, Thursday night, with, uh, Tuesday night, with Mark Sayers. If you've come across him, he's pastor at Ridge Church in Melbourne. He's um, uh, <laughs> some, someone forgot it was on. It looks like it's all right. Um, uh, he's just like his prophetic voice, incredibly insightful, and he talked about how as a, as, as a society and as a Western world, we're in this gray zone where we're coming from uh, like this Christendom or really like post-post-Christendom, going into a space. We don't really know where we're heading, but we're in this transition space. Uh, and, and COVID and global wars and globalization, the internet, Facebook, social media, that's all, that's like expedited things. And it's created an echo chamber for uh, division and anxiety and anger. And uh, we're in this space uh, where it's really tough and we're not sure what's going to happen around the corner. And so the question, and, and something else like leading to, what am I going to preach on? Something talking to Craig, uh, who is the interim campus pastor. One of the things he wanted to talk about while he uh, was a uh, campus pastor was resilience, how to stick it out uh, as a Christian. Um, now, he didn't get there's too much to do. He didn't get that opportunity. But I thought, well, I could do that for him. <laughs> and Craig, if you're watching, which you might be, um, thanks for the inspiration. 
But there's also thinking like, so a few weeks ago, I preached on Ephesians 2 on the gospel. A few, few weeks after that, I've preached on Ephesians 4 on gospel-driven community. And then what's the next uh, number in the sequence? Ephesians 6, which talks about the armor of God and talking about standing firm and persevering and, and, and uh, living as a Christian over a long period of time of persevering and sticking at it and doing that. So I thought, great, that's what God wants to say to the church today, tonight. So we're going to uh, work through this and unpack it together. Uh, and I'm going to invite Pip up, who's going to uh, recite Ephesians 6 for us. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Ephesians 10, 6. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers in this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit in all, kinds of, in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Yeah, give her a hand. Excellent job, excellent job. We'll swing around and talk about uh, memorizing scripture a bit later. Spoiler alert. Um, so Paul uh, talks about, he's, he's kind of written this letter to the church in Ephesus. He's had a whole heap of stuff for them. And he, he's summarizing, he's, he's kind of landing the plane ready to finish this letter. He says, finally, be strong, be strong. In the Lord and in His mighty power. And then he talks about uh, what are we standing against or what's, what's the, the problem that we're facing. Because if we're honest, over the last uh, um, 50, 100 years and, and for, for a while, for quite a while, it hasn't actually been that hard to be a Christian in the Western world. It's actually been very comfortable being a Christian, really until, until very recently, and, and, and gosh, compared to other uh, churches and other places around the world, it still is very easy being a Christian. So what is the big problem? Why, do, why is there all this pressure and discussion around struggling and, and standing and standing against things, standing amidst things? And Paul shares uh, that there's this there's an enemy. There's, there's something we need to stand against. Whether we realize it or not, we are under attack. We are under attack. He says, put on the full armor of God that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. Uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I, um, 
when I was a teenager, I read a book by Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. Has anyone come across that? Yeah, yeah, some of the older uh, folk. Um, and the younger ones too, the, yeah. Now, it's a really interesting book because it's a novel, it's fiction, but it's, um, it kind of exaggerated and, and uh, gave a vision of what... Um, uh, spiritual warfare was like and kind of exacerbated and, and, and people took this as a guide of how uh, spirit, spiritual warfare is. And effectively, what this book was doing as fiction was saying that uh, evil forces were behind programs and behind governments and behind uh, uh, people influencing them to be uh, evil and to act evil and to, you know... And it, so you have systems and governments and programs that were, were inherently evil. And so a very common interpretation is, as people read this, they think, oh, this is talking about the government. This is talking about systems. This is talking about um, uh, the Labour Party or this is talking about the Liberal Party and you know, the, the evil forces of our day. But of course, that was not the case when Paul, uh, when Paul wrote this. Uh, that Paul's quite clear what the enemy is. It's not flesh and blood. It's not the government. It's not this party or that party or this group of people or that group of people. It's the devil. It's the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And if we, if we overestimate the enemy and, and, and imply that this group of people, that group of people, these things, that things is the enemy, we're fighting against them, then we're, we're overestimating the enemy. We end up fighting ourselves, dividing ourselves. If we underestimate the enemy, that there is no problem or is nothing that we're fighting against, then we'll find, us, find no need to, to pick up the armor of God. We'll find no need to um, fight or stand and be vulnerable to the lies and the deception that the devil does. And so uh, the other thing to realize and remember is that these forces that we're up against, we have no power against them. We, we can't fight. There's nothing that we could, could um, draw up from within us to fight against these spiritual forces. But God doesn't leave it to us. He doesn't leave us alone. And again, in that first verse, in verse 10, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So therefore, take up the armor of God. So how are we going to stand in this day? How are we going to stand when we've got uh, spiritual forces fighting against us, deceiving us, discouraging us, uh, 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 shooting darts of of um, temptation and trials and, and all kinds of challenges against us. How are we to stand? By putting on the armour of God. By putting on God's armour. Now, it's interesting. Um, I've spent a lot of time in this passage and it has just blown me away. This is probably one of the weeks where I've learnt more uh, in this past week about this passage than, than, I, than I usually would when writing it or preparing a sermon. Because I'm just blown away uh, reading this uh, passage in the full context of Ephesians and reframing the armour of God from something we just passively receive uh, 
to something we actively take up. So it's not that we passively receive the armor of God and then just sit there waiting for God to, to do his work or, or you know, let, let Armageddon come and go and then there we are standing all safe and sound. These are, Paul gives us seven practices to grow in gospel resilience. And gospel resilience is the practice of letting go of doing things in our own strength and learning to pick up the armor of God that we might live in his strength, that we live by grace. We know that we're saved by grace. Do we know that we live by grace? His power, not ours. And so those seven uh, practices to grow in gospel resilience, I'll run through them and share them all and we'll go through one by one. They are embrace God's truth, seek it out, live it out. Uh, Live in Christ's righteousness, Uh, being ready to make peace with others, preaching the gospel to yourself, Uh, remembering that you receive salvation, you don't earn it, Uh, equipping yourself with the sword of the Spirit by having God's Word in your heart, and finally, praying often, individually and together. So the first uh, armor piece of armor of God uh, in verse 14, Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth. Now you may have noticed that uh, the translation on the screen was ever so slightly different. The translation on the screen uh, is um, slightly modified from the NIV. It's the, the Nick version revised. Uh, my initials are NVR. And uh, the reason I did that is not that big a deal or significant, but the, 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 the words that are used to describe and what we do with a different piece of armor are active words. Uh, they kind of take on this imperative, this command um, uh, nature of standing firm, taking up the belt of truth or girding the belt of truth and wearing, actively wearing the the. Uh, breastplate of righteousness and fitting your feet with the readiness that comes with the gospel peace. I'll talk about those soon. But it's this, this idea of we're, we're, we need to be active of picking them up and using them and doing something. So these are practices to follow. So the first one, um, uh, uh, taking up the belt of truth. Now, as we uh, talk about truth, it's something that grounds us and changes us. If you think, uh, if you read through Ephesians, the first time that Paul starts talking about truth, he explains it in Ephesians 1 verse 13. Well, not explains it, he mentions it. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, uh, or, or the message of truth, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And so when he talks about truth, he's talking about the truth about Jesus, the truth about the gospel, that we were dead, but God made us alive. And that truth is what holds us all together. That truth is what uh, grounds us. And then later on in verse, in 4, verse 13 and 14, 
Paul talking about the church and talking about being unified in the church. He says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways and blown here and there by every, every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of, of people in their deceitful scheming. Deceitful scheming. That's similar language to what he talks about, what the devil does. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So when Paul says, wear, you know, wear the belt of truth, it's truth that corrects distraction and deception. It's truth that uh, protects us from the lies that the devil feeds us to distract us away from the truth, to, to kind of guide us away from Jesus or get distracted by these issues over here that are just not important. Uh, it protects us by, from being um, carried away by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness. So put on the belt of truth. Seek out the truth. The truth of Jesus, of who he is and what he's done for us. And that protects us against lies that we might believe. The next thing Paul says is put on uh, or wear the breastplate of righteousness. Now, often um, in the past, I've, I've also often thought that what Paul is talking about is when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're putting on God's righteousness and that's certainly true. And so that when God sees us, he doesn't see our brokenness, he sees God's righteousness, that, he, that the work that Jesus does forgives us of our sin and we're made right before God and therefore we can wear that righteousness. And, and it's almost this element of, okay, so we can go do whatever we want and think and live however we want because it's okay because I've got the breastplate of righteousness on and all God sees is righteousness and purity and goodness and justice. But then you read through Ephesians and, and ask the question, where else does righteousness come up? And it comes in, in chapter 4, verse 24, where Paul says, put on the new self, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so when Paul says, put where, put on the breastplate of righteousness, he's not, say, he's not saying uh, uh, just... Um, live however you want and it's okay. There's no shame because God's righteousness is covering you. What he's saying is God has made you righteous. He's given you his righteousness. And so take that on, live that out. Live in and wear and walk in the righteousness and holiness that God has created you to be, to have. Step into uh, his righteousness and, and another thing to remember, whenever righteousness is talked about in the Bible, it's very closely connected with justice. Being right with God and seeing righteousness and justice and, and the, the right thing being done and justice being served. And so it's, it's talking about stepping into uh, and making righteous and just decisions and, and thinking about how we're using our time and our wealth and our actions and what we say. It's living out the righteousness of Christ. And what that does is that protects us from sin, from uh, that which might separate us from God. If we actively live out in God's righteousness, not just take it for granted, but actually step into it. 
protects us. The next one uh, Paul says uh, is, next page is, and with your and fit on your feet the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Again, uh, my thinking around this has changed reading the book in its entirety. Uh, often uh, I, I, when I read this, I think, oh, peace, you know, it's that idea of shalom, of wholeness, of, of uh, wellness, uh, and that gospel, you know, we've got to go ready to share this gospel of wholeness and wellness with, with the world. And again, that, that's true, but I don't think that's what Paul is actually talking about here and what Paul means when he uses the word peace. Because everywhere else Paul uses the word, he's talking about something quite specific. He's talking about this divide that's happening between Jews and Gentiles. These two groups of people that under any other circumstances would never associate with each other, would never be seen in a room together, would have nothing but anger and animosity towards each other but somehow have been brought together and brought near and and have been united by the gospel, by God's peace, by what Jesus has done. And in Jesus having forgiven us and uh, forgiving the Jews of their stubbornness and the Gentiles of their ignorance have, have brought them to himself. And by bringing them to himself, he's brought them together. Ephesians 2, verse 13 and 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, uh, sorry, but not now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And so when Paul says, fit your feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, he's not just talking about shalom and wholeness and wellness. He's talking about peace, conflict, seeing hostility removed and and going and making an effort with the people that really bug you and people that have hurt you and people who you wouldn't, you know, in other circumstances you would never associate with making peace with them, being ready to take the first steps because our peace doesn't come from our actions or our status or whatever. It comes from the fact that we are both united in Christ, that we were dead, but God has made us alive. And this applies across the church. There's a big issue in the States. You think, you know, there's Republican, Democrats and all that divide, Uh, but then also racial issues. Even um, big issues in the church in the last couple of years is our approach to vaccines and masks, taking the effort to make peace with those who have different perspectives than us, being ready with with our feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This practice of seeking and being ready to seek out peace protects us from division, protects us from division, from being divided against one another. If we have a posture of seeking peace, there's lots more to say on that. There's lots to say about all of these, um, but we'll just go, uh, just go as far as we can 
uh, and hopefully not take too long. Uh, the next one, Paul says, take up uh, the shield of faith in all circumstances in which you might extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Uh, In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about faith being a gift from God. The belief that we have in the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, doesn't even come from ourselves, is given to us by God. The faith, that belief that we were dead, but God made us alive. And uh, later on in in chapter 3, Paul says, uh, verse 12 and 13, in him, uh, through faith, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Through faith, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. So through faith, through belief in what God has done, we can have the confidence to approach God, to actually be in his presence to be with him, to bring our worries and concerns and all of ourselves to God uh, because we believe that he will forgive us. We believe that he uh, has made us alive and that we might not be discouraged. And so as as we face uh, the the evil schemes of the enemy, as we face things that might discourage us or might turn us away from God or or might... uh, tell us that we're not worthy or we're not ready or, or we, we, you know, we, we're too full of shame and guilt or that we don't need God. Against those lies and those attacks, we pick up the shield of faith. We believe what Jesus has done for us. And that's why the practice is uh, preaching the gospel to ourselves preaching the gospel to ourselves, that we might know and keep reminding ourselves and reminding each other that we were dead, but God made us alive. And by doing that, we would have faith and and not be discouraged and instead encourage ourselves and encourage one another. The next piece of armor, the next practice, Paul says, is uh, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. It's interesting, very interesting that they're combined into one. The helmet of uh, salvation. Uh, it's very interesting that all these other, um, all the other words used to take up the armor of God are very active words. Wear, gird, um, uh, take up, and, and, and pick up. And they're, they're active words. It's not really reflected in the English, but so you'll have to believe me. But this one is very interesting. Uh, the word here for the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit is receive, is a, is a passive word, receive. And uh, I think what it, Paul is ta- saying to us that this is something, this is an identity that we receive. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, um, We were dead, but because of his great love for us, who is rich in mercy, God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is not not from yourselves so that no one might boast. 
the, the practice of putting on the helmet of salvation is reminding ourselves that salvation is something that we receive. It's not something that we earn. And so that defines us, that we are saved. We've been made alive. It's not something we've earned. It's something that God gives us. And Paul also says, receive, he puts these two together, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Um, Paul talks, like kind of combines these ideas in, he's already referenced it in chapter one, verse 13 and 14. Paul says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth or the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is, a, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So when Paul says, take up the sword of the spirit, he's referencing the spirit, the work and the power of the spirit in our lives. Previously in the book, he's mentioned the spirit being a seal. He's not talking about those cute little uh, animals. He's, he's talking about... Uh, a seal, like a signet ring in wax that seals a letter, that the emperor or a leader would do that. And there's a, there's a few things that a seal does. The first is that it, it kind of declares something as their own. So each, you know, different prominent leaders or uh, emperors or Caesar and whatever would have a signet ring. And when he sends a letter, he'd write this letter and then seal it. And, and with that signet ring, this would kind of say, this belongs to Caesar. This belongs to the emperor. emperor. And the Holy Spirit being a seal in our lives uh, declares to us and declares to the world that we belong to God. He is the seal that declares we belong to him. The next thing it does, it also uh, preserves it. It seals it and protects it. So a seal is it was done in wax over the the edge of the letter so that or the the scroll so that it wouldn't be opened and what was inside the scroll would be preserved and protected until it got to its desired destinations and so the spirit seals and protects us and preserves us uh, and Paul says it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession it preserves us so that we might stand and be protected and and uh, and be, be be brought into God's kingdom when Jesus returns. And the last thing is the seal uh, gives the document power and authority. The seal of Caesar would say this document has the authority of Caesar. And the the seal of the Holy Spirit gives us the power of God, the authority of God. And how do we activate that power? How do we activate the sword of the Spirit? It's with the Word of God. Because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Uh, His Word. And so are we equipped when we're entering and stepping into a battle? Are we ready with the sword in the sheath, ready to pull out when we when we are face, facing attacks or getting discouraged or... Uh, um, someone feeds us a lie. Do we have the sword ready? Now, Jesus actually experienced this for himself. 
in the desert. Early on in his ministry, he went out uh, into the wilderness and was uh, he fasted for 40 days or something crazy like that. So he was super hungry, super vulnerable, and the devil came to attack him. And, uh, and when the devil came to attack him, Jesus was ready to go with a sword and spirit. So he took out his phone and he said, hey, Siri, uh, tell me a verse about temptation. It's an Android. He's not going to reply to me. Right. No, no. Jesus didn't have it on his phone. He didn't even have it in a book. He had it in his heart. He was able to combat the attack of the devil with the scripture that he had memorized, that he had, uh, he knew deep in his heart. And even, um, even back in the ancient world, the only way that scripture was available to people is what they, what they memorized, what they committed to memory. And, and really, it's only been in the last couple of hundred years that that has changed. And now, to quote uh, a good friend of mine, Marty, uh, who was very, very profound in, in saying this, now Scripture is so accessible, so accessible, it's no longer memorable. We have, we have the Bible available to us on our shelves with countless copies of the Bible. We have the Bible available to us on our phones, uh, on our tablets. We have the Bible, you know, we've got post-it notes all over the place and things. It's available, more available than any other time, any other place. We've got even got videos explaining and teaching the Bible. We've got content galore on, on the internet and, and through church and wherever teaching us the Bible. And yet the church has never been so biblically uh, illiterate and, and, and memorizing scripture has, ever, has never been so uh, hard a task to ask people to do. And so my challenge is, would we get back to memorizing Scripture like Pip did brilliantly, being able to recite the armor of God and her entire family? She's got everyone involved. Um, that's right. Uh, Chelsea and, and, and Sasha can demonstrate after the service if you ask them. And Karen too, I'm sure, and Stephen. Um, <laughs> not, not Stephen. That's right. I'm sure there's other Scriptures. Um, when I was at uni, um, I was quite convicted about this as well. Uh, and me and a few friends, we started this Facebook group called Store Up God's Word. And what we did is uh, at the beginning of every week, uh, someone would post a verse and then we'd all work together to memorize that scripture together. Just one verse, very achievable. And we'd test each other throughout the week and, and practice in that way. And that was so powerful. And uh, for, you know... Um, for whatever reason, that kind of died off and flitted off. But one of the things I really felt in preparing this sermon, it's all great for me to come up here and point the finger and say, you should do this and you should memorize scripture, but not actually offer anything to assist or to help. And so what I'm going to do is tomorrow I'm going to revive this Facebook group and um, put it out there to the church, whoever wants to be part of this, to once a week memorize Scripture with me and we can test each other and we can help each other and encourage one another and just to, to implant God's Word in our hearts. Let's do it together. Um, store up God's Word. You'll see it on Facebook. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll figure out other... Um, 
uh, means of sharing it because not everyone's on Facebook. It's not necessarily the most helpful platform to be part on, part of. Anyway, I should keep moving. <laughs> it's so much uh, in this, and um, I'm getting really excited about it, as you can probably tell. The, the other thing to realize, and the, probably one of the most important things to realize, is that list is not finished. We're, the sermon's not over yet because there's one more piece of armor. Often we stop there. Sword of the Spirit. All right, we're done. Let's go. Let's go, Jesus. But there's one more. That's probably the most important component to this whole thing. And as we step out and stand firm in God's strength, there's prayer. Paul says, praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Is praying individually and praying corporally. Paul uh, pr- says, pray for others, not just for yourself and bring all your needs to God, but bring others' needs. And in the very next verse, he says, and here's my prayer points. Pray that I would be bold and speak to those who, who um, are around me. And throughout the book, Paul has already been praying for them and, and living this out. And, uh, you know, as we, as we look back through history, uh, whenever there's been a movement of God and whenever there's been a revival or God's done something amazing and powerful, there has been prayer every single time, without exception. People gathering and praying. And then God moves. God does things. And I, I want to call out and, and honour and bless uh, the intercessory prayer team. There's a group of, of faithful, um, amazing people who meet every Monday night to pray for the church and to pray for, for anything and, and, and anyone who might um, reach out and ask for prayer. Uh, Debbie's a part of that group um, and others have been part of, you guys been part of that in the past maybe? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been once, it's something I can't make uh, and, and that's okay. Uh, but there's a, there is a group that is ready to pray for whatever need you might have. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with that, let me know or maybe get in touch with Debbie and she can pass on whatever you might want prayer for. We also have prayer uh, in the corner, a team of faithful people ready to pray with you and to, to bring our needs and our challenges and our, our sorrows and our joys before the Lord. That's a great space. But... but Let's not just restrict prayer to the corner. Let it, let's actually make it part of our culture, part of what it means to be a Christian, part of what it means to be part of this community, is that we pray for one another, that we pray for one another, we pray with one another. And what prayer is, at the most basic level, is our declaration of dependence. You know, America at one point made a declaration of independence that we're independent. We don't need anyone else. We can do this. We can be a nation in our own strength and own power. Prayer is our declaration of dependence. That we can't do this ourselves. We need God. So we bring that to Him. Prayer is our declaration of dependence. Let's start wrapping things up. One of the one of the other um, awesome things that I learned uh, studying this passage this week is uh, before 
I understood that Paul came up with this analogy of the armor of God by being in prison and seeing all these Roman centurions walking around wearing armor. And he goes, oh, there's a good sermon illustration. That's not true. That's not true. He's plagiarizing this, not plagiarizing it. He's using an image from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, which describes uh, God's armor as in the armor that God is wearing and puts on himself in, in multiple references. But one of the most clear one is Isaiah 59 verse 17. Um, Isaiah, one of the prophets, 500 years or more before Jesus came along, he said, uh, God put on righteousness as a bre- breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance, vengeance for clothing and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. This, this, when it says armor of God, it's not saying armor that God made for the church or armor that's got God branding on it. It's actually God's armor that he gives to us that we might live, that we might stand in this day. And it's given to the church, both all of us individually, but I think more importantly, together, corporately, that we might stand together as God's community in God's strength. And so again, gospel resilience is the practice of putting down our control and putting down our efforts of doing things in our own strength, by our own power, and picking up the armor of God, His power, that we, that we might uh, submit ourselves to God's truth, that, that we might live in God's righteousness, that we might be ready to make peace with others through God's gospel that we might be, be ready to take on faith and to preach the gospel to ourselves, that we might remember that we receive God's salvation that he gives to us. We don't earn it. And we might take up the sword of the spirit, which is God's spirit in us, and which we activate by putting God's word in our hearts. It's God's power, God's strength. Paul says, Fine, finally, be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power. We, we know as a church that we're saved by grace. It's not our effort, our power that, w- that, we, that we're, we're saved. It's by God's grace, God's power that we're saved. It's his spirit of power that raises us from the dead, makes us alive. But it doesn't end there. We don't, uh, we're not raised alive to then, in our own effort, try and figure out how to live and stand amidst all the different challenges that, we're face, that we face. We live in his strength. We live by grace. And it's It's hard. It is challenging. And so we've got to work on these practices to take this up. And there's this tension of we do it in God's strength, but we've got to be active in seeking him, in drawing near, in these practices of taking up uh, the armor of God. But no one, no one said that discipleship, being a follower of Jesus, is going to be easy. And it's not about comfort or being easy. It's about God making us alive, even though we are dead, and giving us the strength and the power to stand, to stand. 
Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your power. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the armor of God, for your truth, for your righteousness, for your peace, for faith, for salvation, and for the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. And we just pray that you would help us take these things up that we'd lay before you our tendencies and our, our desires to do things in our own strength, whether that might be because we, we, we don't know, we can't see any other way, or maybe it's because we want to be able to boast and be arrogant, or maybe whatever is reason, Lord. Just lead us to a place where we can let go of our own strength, our own power, the things that we're clinging on to, the things that we don't want to let go of and pick up your truth, your righteousness, your peace, your faith, your salvation and your spirit and the, your word. God, this, these are things it's hard to do, but we pray you would help us do it. That you'd help us help each other do this. As, as community, we'd be eager to draw in, to live, uh, seek your will um, in our lives and, um, and, and be able to stand against the attacks of the devil and see through his lies. And not be dismayed by his discouragement, but stand firm in our identity in you. Lord, help us remember that we're not just saved by grace, but we're sustained by grace, that we live by grace, your power, not ours. And, um, let's make, make use of this, Lord. Let us be a praying church that we would come to you and declare our dependence on you. Uh, by ourselves in our own time, but also, Lord, together. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.